0: We started a series called Dust of Glory, April 19th. What's the day? Uh, you know what April 12th, 1987 is? That's the day I got saved. I say 92262 is the day I was born, but April 12th, 1987 was the day birth was given to me. Come on, church, you with me? I celebrate the day I gave my life to Christ more so than I ever do the day I was born. And I will celebrate the day that I get to go spend eternity with Christ much more so than the day he ever put me on this cursed earth. Come on, church, you with me? I am just excited about who he is, what he is, and what he's done in my life. And because of that, I have such a desire for you to know the word of God so that you'll know the will of God so you can change the world for God. Come on, church, say it with me. I want you to know the will of God. Get it right. (laughs) I want you to know the word of God so you'll know the will of God so you can change the world for God. That's why I ask you Sunday after Sunday, who has them? Let me see them. Let me see them. Let me see them. Who has their Bibles? Come on, church. Good job. Good job. Good job. All right. I just happen to believe God's people ought to have God's Word in God's house, and it is so cool to see hundreds upon hundreds upon hundreds of Bibles in this house. Now, if you don't have a Bible, first time guest, it's okay. You can tag along with me, but we'd love for you to have one. Go to guest services after, and we will give you a Bible. Now, the problems usually not we don't have a Bible. It's we don't what. We don't read it. Easter week. We just celebrated Easter. How many of you have read your Bible every day since last Sunday? Good job, guys. Good job, good job. All right. I want you to be honest. Don't answer this because you think I'm trying to get. I want an honest answer. Have you noticed that the more you read your Bible, the more you want to read your Bible? Have you seen that? Now, someone asked me the other day, Pastor, when did you get such a passion for the Word of God? Guys, I'm telling you, it's probably about 10 years into my salvation. Why? I read, I read through the Bible several times, and it became, it wasn't just I want to read the Bible. It became I want to know the Bible because I want to know him at such a great level. Guys, I'm telling you, when you come to me and say, Pastor, what do you do to become so passionate about Jesus Christ? Just hang out with him. How would you fall so in love with your spouse? You just hung out with him. You got to become to know who he is in order to do what he's asked you to do. Father God, I come to you right now asking that you just speak in a great way to this group of people. Guys, if you need to hear a word, repeat after me. Holy Spirit, allow me to hear this word so I can receive this word so I can live this word. And everybody said, April 19th, last year, we started. Dust of Glory. Almost been one year. How many of you, it feels like it's been a year? Bad time. Don't raise your hand. Bad time to raise your hand right there. Bad time. I hope that you've enjoyed this series as much as I have. Now, when I say it's been a year, okay, it was a tough year, but now we're making our way from the Old Testament into the New Testament. And what do you mean by that, Pastor? We're not done. I know. Today, what I'm going to do is I only got 15 minutes. I I can't even get wound up, much less get wound down in 15 minutes, all right? So I'm going to do a quick review from Genesis to Malachi because we've got so many first time guests last week who've come back. Shook a bunch of hands after the first service. I'm going to take us from the beginning of the New Testament, from the Old Testament, to the end of the Old Testament, and we will finish the Old Testament next month, the end of May. Only got seven books or so left, and we will finish them next week. We will pick up in First and Second Chronicles. It fits perfectly where we left off at the Book of Ezra. And so, Pastor, I want to know what to read. Okay, I'm telling you, First and Second Chronicles. That's a lot of reading this week. It is, it is. But I hope you've read it before. You kind of get the gist of it. So. As we walk through the, the first 39 books of the Bible today, if you want to know what each one really represents, here we go. Now, my goal in all of this is for you to have a one-sentence recap for every single book of the Bible. All right, we haven't covered Nehemiah yet, but all I want you to be able to do is this. Hey, what's the book of Nehemiah about? Well, Ezra built the temple, so now Nehemiah has to come and build the wall around the city. That's it. That's all I want you to understand. Just give me a one-sentence recap, and here's why. When you begin to understand what each book of the Bible is about, you begin to understand what the Word of God is about, so then you'll know the will of God for your life, and then you can go and change the world for God. So let's jump into it, because I ain't got a whole lot of time. We started out in the book of Genesis, April 19th, last year, and I gave you three C's. Those three C's are creation, covenant, captivity. If it's that slow and that bad, this is going to take me 45 minutes to an hour. So if you want to get out of here on time, let's try that again. So in Genesis, there were three C's. They were. So you're hungry? Good, 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 good. All right. At the end of Genesis, we saw that they were taken into captivity, and in Exodus, what do we have? They leaving. They leaving and they headed to Egypt. And while they're on their way, they stop at a place called Mount Sinai. And God gives Moses the Where do you find the Ten Commandments in the Bible? Good job, guys. Exodus 20. But then we also see that at the end of the book of Exodus that God gave Moses all the instructions to build the tabernacle. Why did God want to build a tabernacle? Because he wanted to get a holy God. holy God among an unholy people. Very good. Then we get to the book of Leviticus. And you can see the years on here as we make our way. We're going to start from the timeline and make our way through the timeline all the way to the end of the Old Testament. We have the book of Leviticus. What's the book of Leviticus about? The law. How many laws do we have? 613, what was the purpose of the law? Separate God's people from the rest of the world. Next, we have the book of... go back. Go back. Good, right there. If you don't know what the next book of the Bible is, look. Okay? Not being a little... I am being a smart aleck, but they're right here for you. So when I say, okay, we just finished Leviticus, what's next? It's right there. You ain't got to be a great theologian, right? In the book of Numbers. What's the book of Numbers about? We took two census, but we also saw Moses sent the 12 spies. They refused to believe God, so they did what? Wandered in the wilderness. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers. Let's look at you guys. You're catching up. What's the book of Deuteronomy about? The retelling of the story. There was three speeches. Moses is telling the next generation. All right, Your parents have all died off. This is why they died off. You're going into the promised land. This is the way God wants you to live. Now, what's the next book? Now, that would be true. But what we're doing is I'm sticking the book of Job in here. Why? I said we're going not in chronological order, but we're going in timeline order. And I believe the book of Job would fit right here. I'm not going to talk about Job, but we're going to cover all that in one Sunday in just a couple of weeks. But also during that time period... We had the book of Psalms written, all right? That's 150 chapters I'm going to try to cover in one day. 150 chapters in the next two, three weeks. So if you want to read that one, you better get started, all right? Now, here we go. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, Joshua. What do we see happen in Joshua? They enter into the promised land. And what does Joshua do towards the end of the book? It's right there. He divides up the land. How many tribes were there to divide the land up to? Twelve tribes. Very good. Poor old Joshua Bones ain't hardly even rotted in the grave yet. And what does everybody do? Turn our back back on God. And so God sends judges. And in judges we see an awful, awful cycle. Here we go. The people abandon the Lord. God punishes them through a foreign power. And we've talked about those powers as they've come in. Then the people cry out to God. So then God raises up a judge, they repent, life's good. And what do the people do? About, does this sound familiar in your own life? How often do we, oh God, please, please, God, I need this miracle. So God gives you the miracle, a week or two later you write back to your own life. It's amazing how the word of God applies to our life every day. We see this over and over. After the book of Judges we have the book of? The book of Ruth. What's Ruth about? kinsman redeemer. Good job, guys. Then we jump from Ruth right into 1 Samuel. The people said, we want a king. God gave them Saul. Saul. Very good. Was Saul the king God wanted? No. No. So God sent a king, and his name was David. David, David killed? Okay, a lot of you hesitated. That's a question I could ask four-year-olds in kid point, and they'd know. Okay. David kills? Goliath. Goliath. All right, just a little trivia. How many stones did David take with him? Three, four, five, five. He took five. Okay, where were they? There's hands. One in the sling, one here, one here, one here, one here. Why would they be like that? Called rapid fire. But David was so good, he only needed one. Just a little trivia, a little fun. All right. The rest of the chapter is Saul chasing David because the people, because Saul was so jealous because the people started singing about David. All right, we see in 2 Samuel, David becomes king. And we see that his kingship is absolutely incredible. But David messes up with Bathsheba, and they have a child called Solomon. So we see through the rest of 2 Samuel, the kingship of David, then we make our way into well, you guys are kind of not sh- like that's not the way we've been going. You're right, you're right, but it's here that the book First and Second Chronicles kind of fits into our story, and next week into our timeline. Next week we'll begin covering First and Second Chronicles. Why? Because when you get into the Kings, we begin to see these things called prophets. Okay, <clears throat> so now we're gonna move forward. So we've been saying after First and Second Samuel is First, First Kings. Very good. And in First Kings. Go ahead. ahead. We see the kingship of Solomon. And what does Solomon do in chapter 3 that was so incredible? He asked God for great wisdom, a better understanding mind. God gives it to him. But then Solomon also builds the temple. And he is a great man of God until chapter 11. And in 1 Kings chapter 11, he goes stinking head case. And he writes a book that life is meaningless without God. And that book was called? Ecclesiastes, very good. It's called Ecclesiastes. Life is meaningless without God. Now, during this time, during this time period of Solomon's life, he also wrote a couple other books. They're called Proverbs and they're called Song of Solomon. Have not covered those, but we will cover Wisdom, Proverbs, and Song of Solomon. Song of Solomon will be a fun Sunday. Now, if you notice down here, 1st and 2nd Chronicles continues why? Because it's the history of God's people. And it covers this entire timeline, and you'll see that when we get there, okay? So now we've made it through Ecclesiastes, Proverbs, Song of Psalms. We'll get those. Keep going. Keep right on going. Now, make our way back into 2 Kings. In 2 Kings, we see the rest of the kings and the ministry of Elisha. Now, in 1 Kings, we saw the prophet before him. What was that man's name? wasn't up there. Well, you know this. Elijah. Very good. Now, during the kings, God sent these men called Prophets. These prophets were sent because the people continued to live a very sinful life, and God was tired of it. So he sent men to come and challenge them to repent. I broke those into four categories. Now, those were the uh, foreign, the pre to the north, pre to the south, and then the post. I'm not going to do that today. I'm just going to follow our timeline in the way that they flow on the timeline, and then we'll tell you what each one's about. Let's start with Jonah. What's the book of Jonah about? The whale. If you'll just say the whale, I'll be happy. Just get started, okay? What's the book of Jonah about? The whale. Just give me a little something, okay? But if you remember, God was furious with Jonah because he did what? He ran. He did not want to go to Nineveh, the capital of Assyria, because he knew that he would, God would do what? Forgive him. Show mercy. Sounds like a lot of church people not want to invite other people to church. You're scared that God might just forgive him and you don't want God to do that. So God sends Jonah, he goes, God forgives them, they have an incredible revival, and Jonah ends up, it ends with him being mad at God. And our timeline, let's keep going, we're back all the way to 760 now, 760 B.C., this is Amos. Make sure you catch this, because church, a lot of people say, well, the Bible doesn't pertain to me today. Hmm. Okay. Let's see if this sounds familiar. Amos is all about God's judgment, because the people of Israel, we're taking advantage of the poor. You see, God says, I gave you great wealth to build my kingdom and to reach more people. But it looks to me like most church people take advantage of poor people so that they can become richer. God doesn't give you wealth for you. God gives you wealth, come on church, for what reason? To build his kingdom, not yours. But you know what we do? We look for the best deal and most of the time we're looking for a way to cheat people if we can, and he said, that don't work. God's people should be taken care of God's people. It got really quiet, so let's just move on right there, all right? <laughs> then we got to the book of Isaiah. Isaiah has 66 chapters. 39 of them were all about the Old Testament, just like the Old Testament has 39 chapters. And then there was 27 of the New Testament, just like, just like the Bible has. And Isaiah, if you remember, was all about judgment. The judgment is coming on you, but there is hope right around the corner, and his name is Jesus. Isaiah was one of those books that God took him to the beginning. God allowed him to live in the middle, and God gave him an insight into the end. Book of Hosea. You should never forget this one. What's the book of Hosea about? Three people. A whore. Good. I mean, you can say that. Okay, because it was about a prostitute. And the point that God is making in this is he told a man, I want you to go marry a prostitute. And her name is? Gomer. Gomer. He said, go pay all of her bills, get her out of debt, marry her, have children. And this is what she's going to do. She's going to go right back to beginning to do what she used to do, being a prostitute. And the point God was making was my people, I'm sick of my people coming, me getting them out of debt, me taking care of their sin, and they go right back into whoring into their own sin just like they used to do. Man, what a great picture of the American church. I didn't write all this. God did. Next book. Micah. Do you remember God gave us five very specific reasons? This book could have been to the northern kingdom and to the southern kingdom. And he gives us five reasons why judgment is coming. One of them was the priest would pray over you and say what you wanted them to say for the right price. Do we have preachers today who will say what you want them to say for the right price? I could drop the mic and go home. Let's keep going, though. We ain't done. Let's go to Nahum. In the book of Nahum, if you remember, we had three foreign prophets. You had Jonah, and then the second one was Nahum. Why? Because he was sent to forewarn Nineveh's coming destruction. God gave Nineveh, the Assyrians, grace, mercy. For 10 years, they experienced revival. But then after the 10 years, they're like, ah, enough of this God stuff. Turn their back on God and became more evil than they were before. Let me tell you how that has to do with us if you're going to claim the blood of Jesus over your life and that you have a radical love relationship with him you better keep that going God don't take it God does not take it lightly that you say I claim the blood of Jesus and you go live the life you want to live if you don't think so go read Nahum because even though that book was written to them is that book still written to you yes, yes it is Zephaniah In Zephaniah, we had the day of the Lord. He proclaims the day. He's saying the day of judgment is coming, but then the day of the Lord of hope is coming. Then you get to Jeremiah. And Jeremiah was that prophet in the southern kingdom who was the only one who prophesied it and lived through it. They called him the weeping prophet because he experienced it for 40 years. Never saw anyone believe him. Never saw someone come to know Christ through him. He saw his beloved city destroyed. He saw his beloved temple destroyed. He saw his beloved people taken off into Babylon. And then he went into Egypt and died. Jeremiah is a heartbreaking book. But we need more Jeremias in the church today. People who will stick true to God regardless of what the circumstances and situation is. Habakkuk is a really great book. Why? Because it shows us God is in control and God has a plan. And the whole basis of this book is this. Habakkuk is ill with God. He's aggravated with God. Don't be all spiritual. How many of you have ever been aggravated with God? Good, good. Okay. I have never doubted God, but I've been aggravated with God. In fact, what I say is, God, I don't understand what's going on. I sure would love a very clear vision and a clear picture of what's going on right now. And God says, Dean, I got this, and I have a plan. See, but what Habakkuk was really upset about was he was saying, God, I don't understand. Israel, your people are, yes, sinning, but you're bringing the Babylonians down to discipline us, and they're the most pagan people on the planet. What's going on? God told him, I got this. I got control, and I have a plan. Then we move into a book called Daniel, and we spent a couple of weeks here, and we saw Daniel's visions. We saw that God gave him a glimpse into the future, into the middle, and to more of the very beginning And we saw the faithfulness of Daniel. He would die in the den, lion's den. I'll pray. I'll do whatever. I'm not going to turn my back on God. And I told you then that Daniel's book was so specific in the future that many people said it's not possible. There's no way that he could have wrote this beforehand because it was so incredibly accurate. But then they found something. Do you remember what it was? Dead Sea Scrolls. Good job, guys. The Dead Sea Scrolls. And they're like, huh? Daniel really did know what he was writing. Yeah, because God had taken him to the beginning, God had allowed him to live in the middle, and then God gave him a glimpse into the future. You do understand God has done the same thing for us. He's given us the history, the beginning, he's allowing us to live in the middle, and he's given us a glimpse into the future. What I don't understand is how in the world you don't want to be a part of it. I want God's people to be in God's word so they know God's will so they can change the world for God. Come on, church, are you with me? And I can promise you right now, Netflix is not going to bring that about in your life. Let's keep going. If we keep making our way down, we came into the book of Ezekiel, and we saw these eight different visions. And what were the visions about? Restoring God's glory to Israel. The people are in captivity in Babylon. Ezekiel keeps having these visions like, oh, my gosh, what is going on? The temple, the glory of God is sitting upon me. You're right, because he took it off of Israel, and he put it on his people in Babylon. Babylon. But he says, but you better believe it's going back to where it's supposed to be. Get to the book of Lamentations, and it's a heartbreaking book. How many of you remember the helicopters and the chains and the jets flying through here? Okay. The point of that was, what if our city was completely destroyed, our country was destroyed, and you're trying to write a letter watching your house burn, watching your wife being raped, watching your children put in chains and being taken off, watching so many of your kinsmen dying? That's the book of Lamentations. He was mourning, this is Jeremiah, over the destruction of Jerusalem. He's watching it. The temple's destroyed. The city's destroyed. His family's being exiled. And he tries to pin what he's taking, what he's watching, what he's taking part in. Get to the book of Obadiah. Again, we're not going chronologically. I mean, we're not going in the Bible. We're making our way down chronologically through the timeline. Get to Obadiah. Listen, church, this is a good one for you. This was judgment for the nation of Edom. It's not one of those three foreign powers. You had Jonah. and on this one you see God is upset because in 586 when his people were taken off to Babylon the Edomites just kind of jumped in and plundered his people I wonder how many people in the American church plunder other church people when their lives are wrecked instead of helping them when you're part of God's team you should help those on your team and God said that's it you plundered my people There's destruction coming on you. Book of Joel, talking about the locust. We haven't been there yet. We'll get to that very, very soon. Keep going. Then you make your way from Joel into the time of Ezra. Now, we just covered Ezra, 539. There was a decree. What was that decree? Go home and do what? Uh, It's right there. It's right there. So what's Ezra about? It's time to go home and do what? Rebuild the temple. Then we get to chapter 5. And we've seen that the people went. They began to rebuild the altar, but then they, they stopped. And what they do for 16 years? They built their own homes. And God said, enough, I'm tired of you building your kingdom. So he sends another prophet. Who was that? I just went through this three weeks ago. So they sent another prophet, and his name was Haggai. Very good. And what was Haggai about? Get your butt back to work. 16 years you've been building your kingdom, and you're not building my kingdom. Is there a word there for us today? Get your butt back to work. Quit worrying about your paneled houses and start worrying about my kingdom. Then there was one after Haggai, the very sentence. What was the next one? Zechariah. Do you remember what Zechariah was about? Good job. So finish the temple because the Messiah's coming. Get back to it. Now, 49 years later, because I told you Ezra takes 100 years, 49 years later, we see God's chosen people in Babylon about to be destroyed. But God saves them. Who does he save them with? Esther, he says with Esther. And Esther is a queen who ends up saving her people from slaughter. Now, in the book of Ezra, we saw the temple built. But now we need to see the wall rebuilt. Who does God send to rebuild the wall? Nehemiah. I haven't covered that yet, but we will cover that in just a couple of weeks. He is sent to literally rebuild the wall. Then we come to the absolute last book of the Old Testament in the year 400 BC. What's the last book? Malachi. Have you ever thought about this? Jesus, on the week of his crucifixion, on Tuesday, taught. And the last thing he taught, he said, come here, guys. Come here, come here, come here, come here. Watch this. You see that little old woman? She put in two pennies, and she gave more than anybody in this temple. So the last thing he ever taught on was money. Then the last book of the Old Testament, before God went silent, 400 years. What's the book of Malachi about? Robbing God. Robbing God of what? tithes and offerings. Does God take giving seriously? Then why don't you? Not a money message, just a point. You say I'm a child of God, but you don't live a life for God. Do we give to what we love, church? And if you love him, will you give to him? Yes, you will. Here we go. I want you to know the word of God so you know the will of God so you'll change the world for God. Would you say that like you mean it? Here we go. Here we go. I want you to know the word of God so you will know the will of God so you can change the world for God. Holy Spirit, I love you so much. I thank you for the word because it is the roadmap of our life. And as we finish the Old Testament in the next few weeks, God, I pray your people will have a hunger and a thirst for it like never before. They'll know the word so they know your will for their life and that we'll go change the world for you. Everybody said.